please be home. Yeah. Please be home. Hello? Eddie Pence? Yes. Kevin Bean Show. Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, to God. Oh, to God. Yo, ho, Eddie. Welcome to Quitters Never Give Up. Oh, to God. Oh, to God. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the comedy signings of Fence and Jackpot. <laughs> In his face. Don't come on me. Oh, to God. Oh, to God. <laughs> <laughs> just keeps popping up. I'm too much. Jackpot. <laughs> That's. Uh, I feel sorry if whoever had to go through all of that noise and make that. Are you kidding? It's our pleasure. That's hilarious. Was that phone call? Was that from April Foolishness on Kevin and Bean? We have a game to test wow. one's memory on. Wow. Here. <laughs> so crazy. I actually have a, a game with dates on it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Welcome Sorry. to Quitters Never Give Up. And on today's episode, we have the great Eddie Pence on joining us. We Woo! get to learn a little bit more about him. Um, and so I think, are we starting with the game? We are starting with the game. So starting with the game. Uh, the way that we look at most of the Kevin and Bean lore is through the appearances on the Kevin and Bean show. So ah. we have a little bit of a game to test maybe your memory and maybe everyone else's memory of your uh, few appearances on the Kevin and Bean okay. show. So we're going to start, and these have audio clips. So we're going to start with your first appearance on the Kevin and Bean show was okay. January 18th, 2013. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you remember... Which of the cast of the Kevin and Bean show immediately started giving you a hard time? Had to be Bean, right? Had yeah. to be Bean. I didn't have a Wikipedia page, I think. <laughs> yes. Right now, the least famous guest in the history of the Kevin and Bean show, ladies and gentlemen. Please put your hands together for comedian, I'm assuming, Eddie Pence. That actually takes care of question three, because you remember okay. that the Wikipedia page was what you were called out for, so I'll just play yeah. that. It, it, do, did I, I was doing a little bit of research on you last night, and... I don't think you even have a Wikipedia page. Bean just starting out with the, Oh, I just went in. He went in on love. me hard. Question two. What famous Eddie Pence catchphrase was uttered as some of your first words on the Kevin and Bean show? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I'm trying to Any, remember the interview. Anyone want to steal? This This is a, a classic Eddie Pence intro. <laughs> was it? it ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Please put your hands together for comedian, I'm assuming, Eddie Pence. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Hey, everybody. Oh, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Of All course. Right. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so uh, I think you probably know this, possibly for the group. In what venue did you say your first time in comedy was? Or do you remember? Oh, do I, oh, I remember. Uh, okay. The Comedy Store Belly Room. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. What was the first time like? Where'd you do it in? Comedy oh. Store Belly Room. Okay. What kind of jokes did you say that you made? Oh. What household item? Here's a hint. Jokes about household items did you make? Uh, I think toothbrushes and toilet paper. Yeah, I did toilet paper joke. Uh, toilet paper, toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper toothbrushes. Jokes. There is toothpaste brushes too. I have the first set on tape if anybody oh, wants cool. to see it. It's awful. I, I was going to ask because you do say it was on tape, but yeah, it might. Excellent. It's awful. What day jobs did Eddie do while pursuing comedy? I'm going to give this one a steal to anyone in the group. Jen? Uh, he was the worst bartender, and they'd only <laughs> let him work on Tuesdays at lunch. That's exactly right. All right. What kinds well, of day jobs did you have to support yourself in Hollywood trying uh, to make comedy? I was a comedy? horrible bartender for years. 
There you go. go In my defense, I was giving good shifts and I worked my way up to Tuesday lunch. There you go. You I was giving I was I was given weekend primetime spots and I failed my way to Tuesday lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what show you were opening for or was opening for you at this time? If you want to say opening for in quotes. Oh, uh, uh what show I I was opening for them, right? In this case, it was technically you were going after a show. Oh, I. Uh. <laughs> You're very familiar with the show. I'm, I'm assuming it's Babylon. I'm assuming it's Hollywood <laughs> Babylon. Ding. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that mean that you come on right after Ralph Garman does his little show? Yeah, their show ends at 10 nice, and we start up right after that. Ding. You are right, Jen. Eddie noted his father-in-law had a very interesting profession. Jen or Eddie, the other Eddie. <laughs> Name that profession. Oh, I've heard this too. Shoot. <laughs> okay. I'm going to assume Eddie knows. Um, so I'm just male stripper. No. Yes. Uh, yes. No, he was, in, he was in the presidential secret service. Very good. Yes. Eddie oh. was telling us something super interesting during that last song about his uh, his family, about uh, about your father in law, right? Yeah. Secret Service. He was Secret Service, but not Secret Service like like lowly Secret Service, protecting the president. Yeah, not, not, not like watching stamps and counting money. Right. Secret. <laughs> very, very, very good. <laughs> All right. Now, follow up to that. Do you remember what this soundbite was referring to? This is twisted. <laughs> this is twisted. <laughs> This, this is, is twisted. Oh, uh, I have no idea. No clue. Uh, they kind of followed up on the your family background um, right. and your wife's uh, job as a Clinton intern. And then they kind of oh, went, okay. they went a different direction. And that was your reaction. <laughs> All uh, right. Old style Kevin and being inappropriateness. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Now I remember. We, we jump ahead in time to December 4th, 2013, where Eddie okay. has returned. What uh, is the status of Eddie's Wikipedia page? Oh, it's now, it's up and running now. I got one. Okay. So somebody somewhere says, no, Eddie, you can't do a Wikipedia yeah. page about yourself. But yes, Kevin, <laughs> if you want to put nonsense on there about Eddie, fine. Exactly. So you were attempting to create it, but yes. it turns out that you you yourself cannot. You can't your make own. your own. Yeah. So no. been... Oh, really? Is that a rule? That is a rule. So, Eddie, do you remember who did it for you instead? Um, I don't. I, I paid someone to make me a Wikipedia page, but I don't uh -huh. remember the name of the person. Okay, so here's the clip, <laughs> but you, you're gonna have to fill in the blanks on the clip. Okay, okay, okay. Did you have to go to your neighbor to get you? I, I, my neighbor. I have my neighbor. <laughs> wow. Who's a very famous commercial actor, so he has some clout in this town. So he's got. He created my Wikipedia page for me, and I just have to walk his dog for six months. Oh, yeah, my neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor, Thomas. What had really happened was uh, I I got him to do it, and then he tried several times to get the thing uploaded, but it wouldn't do it. And then I had to go and find a Wikipedia expert, and I paid them, and then they got the page up and running. Wow. So that's that the follow-up to that story. That is <laughs> quite the lengths you're going to Right, and then, it, like, a year later, it got taken down. Oh, no. I don't know. So I, I still don't have a Wikipedia page to oh, this day. I was wondering, did you have at the time the most expensive Wikipedia page? I may ever? have. I only tried to get the Wikipedia page, so I go back on the Kevin and Bean and shove it in Bean's face. That's the only reason <laughs> I wanted to get a Wikipedia page, for no other reason. 
Well, maybe we can make one and then send it to Bean. Uh, okay, next clip. Hey, uh, nice job checking in on this morning on your way to the Kevin Bean Show, too. That's Appreciate that, Eddie. Yeah. Well, that's the only uh, app on my iPhone 4 that works. So this is not a curse word, but do you remember what you checked in on <laughs> that only yes. worked on your iPhone 4? <laughs> Foursquare, right? Nice job checking in on Foursquare this morning on your way to the Kevin Bean Show, too. <laughs> All right. What, your MySpace page was down? <laughs> That's the exact joke that Bean made. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if we can name this answer to this question. Why did you have a TV show, Eddie? Um, well, I shot a pilot. I just did one. We yeah. shot a pilot in uh, July. Um, for uh, hopefully it's We won't hear anything until January. Hopefully it goes to a, a network I can't name. <laughs> name that network? <laughs> oh, what was it? Uh it was it was the same network that Ralph and Kevin shot their Babylon pilot for. Uh, what was it? AM? Not AMs. Uh, I think it, it wasn't the Learning Channel. God, I can't remember. I can't it's remember okay. what it was. Right okay. Now, but, uh, hopefully, knock on. Because you can't pronounce the name. Is that why? I can't or? pronounce it. Um, okay. It's got Weird. letters in it. It's two letters with an and in the middle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know. A and E. A and E. Thank you, past Eddie, for giving current Eddie. Past okay. Eddie and future Eddie, unbeatable team. They really are. Side note about that second appearance yeah. on my Kevin on Kevin and Bean. Ralph, the first time I did the show, Ralph didn't sit in. But... He stayed in the office, and because Bean attacked me right away, because I was Ralph's <laughs> guest that time, because I was promoting a show at the. Uh, the Lovitz Club. So Ralph had me on the show. So Bean jumped in on me right away with the Wikipedia. So the second time I did the show, Ralph's like, screw that. I'm sitting with you this time. And if Bean gives you crap, I'm taking him down. So that's why Ralph, <laughs> that's why Ralph is sitting in the in the second interview with us, because he was there to like defend me against Bean. Oh my gosh. And Bean Bean just went in. Yeah, he always um, does. He sure does. Okay. So moving on to April 3rd, 2015. When Kevin and Bean called you on the air, we heard this before, to announce your debut on April Foolishness, what celebrity comedian was calling with them? Uh, Gabriel Iglesias. You know, you're talking about playing the big rooms like Madison Square Garden, Fluffy. Whoever wins this, being on stage at the Shrine, is going to seem terrifying, I bet. Exactly. When you answer the phone, what's the first thing you have to remind the group of? I don't remember. I don't. This is very good. Eddie, um, your name sounds familiar to me. How come? I've been on your show twice. <laughs> You've been on our oh, show twice. Bean. You are so unmemorable. <laughs> oh. I know. I, well, the first thing you ever said to me was like, hey, you're the most uh, unfamous person ever on this show. <laughs> and last oh. but not least, you're back on again in 2016 to promote that year's April Foolishness. What oh, celebrity right. did you say you would said hi to as a result of your newfound fame? Jack Black. Jack Black. <laughs> Make any difference at all, at least locally, with uh, the exposure that you got from being Yeah, I got some more spots in town. It helped a little bit getting more spots in town. Um, I, I got to uh, say hi to Jack Black. <laughs> and that is the Eddie's quiz. See, you, you remembered everything perfectly. Well, see, I said hi to Jack Black because uh, my kid went to grade school right down the street from us, and Jack Black's kid at the time went to... I think uh, it was a temple, Temple Israel of Hollywood, I think is right nearby. So I would have to walk past that to get to my kid's grade school. And so every morning I'd walk him to school, I would literally walk past Jack Black every single day. And I never wanted to say <laughs> hi because I never wanted to be there. I'm never like, hey, celebrity. But then after <laughs> April Foolishness, Tenacious D did the show. 
So I got to hang out with him that night. So we kind of chatted a little bit. And I'm like, okay, so next time I see him, I'm going to say hi to him. And then that's what happened. Nice. Like a week later, I said hi to him as we passed each other. And he had no idea who I was. <laughs> <laughs> just so, like Bean. Just like Bean. Uh, showbiz stories. So let's go back a bit. So what club were you working at when you started to get to know Ralph and stuff? Was that at the John Lovitz? It was at the was Lovitz. That... It was at the Lovitz Club when they were doing they were doing Babylon there. And I was just a comic. And I was, you know, I you go as comedians, you just hang around clubs trying to get spots. And yeah. so I was just I would hang out there and I would perform because I was friends with uh, Gabby, the the manager mm -hmm. at the time of Lovitz, who Lynn later on became his personal assistant. And she's very good friends with Ralph now to this day. So we're all still buddies. But that's how I was working the club. Gabby booked me to headline a weekend. She's like, oh, I'll uh, talk to Ralph because he was doing Babylon. He's like, uh, we'll get you on the Kevin and Bean show to help promote it. Because I didn't know Ralph at the time. And oh, so okay. she got me on the show. And actually, the first time I met Ralph was when I went that morning to Kevin. I talked to him before on the phone Wait. a couple of times leading up to the, the show. But I'd never met him in person. Uh, until I did that first Kevin and Bean show. Oh, that very morning. cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we, and then after that, you know, I got to know him and I'd see him at Lovitz all the time. And then when they moved to Ho the improv, improv in Hollywood, that we would hang out and we just, you know, our friendship grew from there, I suppose. Nice. And then one day you're walking by in his uh, lawn. Just walking and, by his neighborhood. And then he just pulled you into the podcast, he just right? pulled me in. <laughs> I actually, I was, I, I pulled it up the other day because May 4th is always the, uh, it's the, I know it's Star Wars Day, but it's the anniversary of the day that Ralph texted me and asked me to be oh, uh, his co-host because I was at a Star Wars themed stand-up show that night and no one showed. So it was just this empty room and I'm <sighs> dressed like Han Solo getting ready to stand up for nobody. Oh. And uh, I get a text from Ralph. He's like, hey, have you listened to my podcast? And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> I wasn't a, I wasn't a, uh, in the, I wasn't a subscriber. And he's like, well. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Do you want to co-host it with me? And I'm like, oh, sure. Why not? And then that's how it started. So. That sounds like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. It pretty much was. Stand up in a Star Wars costume. No one's there. My life is pretty much Larry David's life without the money. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Without the money. Oh, my God. Well, and then but, that's how podcast history got made. Right? Yeah. Oh, interesting note. I don't know if you guys know. We did... Um, my old show swings and misses we actually did the last interview of kevin and bean before uh bean retired before bean went to europe so we actually had the final oh. interview with kevin and bean uh, on oh, our wow. show right. which was i guess november of 2019 or something like that whenever bean signed off so yeah I don't, wow, that's really cool so it is and how was bean to you that day he was nice that day they were both <laughs> super friendly that bean was great we have a we had a picture together it's very nice very nice he was in town it was great i wasn't talking to some black speaker box that's hanging on the ceiling <laughs> that was oh, always a weird thing when you go in there because like kevin's there and then you would have uh ralph might be there and then sometimes you have Ch and chip would be there but you would never see bean bean was just this ominous black speaker that was hanging on the ceiling it's very strange well, I got to go to the studio one time because my sister um, emailed them, hey, Edwin from La is a big fan. His birthday's coming up. And could he go to the studio? So I went. And yeah, Bean's the one that invited me. Yeah. And so everyone's there except Bean. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's Bean? Oh, he's that thing up there hanging on the ceiling. It's oh, very strange. Funny. When you moved out to Los Angeles, um, yeah. you came out to go to film school. Um, what were you looking to do at that point? Uh, just to get out of Virginia, pretty much, <laughs> was the, the main 
throw. I mean, I know I wanted to get into entertainment somehow. Um, and film school felt like the the most acceptable way to my family go, hey, I'm just continuing my education. So I'm not just going to go out here and just try to follow some dream and be broke. I'm going to at least I'll get a master's degree or something like that. So I got into film school at Chapman in Orange County and I went through that program. And while I was there, I started doing open mics and stuff, doing stand up. And that's, you know, I'd always wanted to do stand up comedy ever since I was a little kid. So that was mm -hmm. never like I didn't discover that when I came out here. It was just that going to film school, moving out to L.A. was my way of finding my way into stand-up comedy so where do you think you get your sense of humor from i was watching a lot of tv as i was growing up as a kid <laughs> <laughs> my dad's funny but he's he's very surly he's, he's funny in a surly a lot, a lot like ralph in that way where they're yeah. just sort of like they're they have a biting humor to them in a way um mm -hmm. they're not super goofy so much um my 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 goofier side comes probably from watching cartoons and just, you know, sitcoms and stuff when I was a kid. Um, but you know, I do have that edge to me sometimes where I'm a little like my humor can be a little biting sometimes. Not not so much on the Ralph Report or whatnot, but like when I'm doing stand up comedy or even in real life. And I think that comes from my dad. What's your favorite cartoon? Uh, <laughs> Daffy Duck is probably my favorite. <laughs> He's probably my favorite. I mean, I love all the Looney Tunes, but like Daffy Duck, just the way he just gets so angry. Just, <laughs> we could have me. a whole spinoff podcast where the Eddies talk cartoons. Oh. Because that I'm always getting grief for my animation obsession. You know? Oh, I, love, I mean, Daffy Duck. I mean, I like, but I like them. I mean, all Looney Tunes. I like, you know, I get crap from Ralph about Woody Woodpecker. I love Woody Woodpecker. I love, you know. Oh, we brought all... that clip on the show. Yeah. <laughs> So. Do you have an opinion on Josie and the Pussycats? <laughs> I never watched Josie and the Pussycats. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I never, if it wasn't Looney Tunes, when I was a kid, because I was a latchkey kid, right? Because I was a kid of the 80s. So I would come home and I'd have like three hours of the house to myself. And it was either watching Looney Tunes or like G.I. Joe. It was whatever the kids' mm -hmm. cartoons were. He-Man, stuff like that. He-Man, wow. And like when like I know like uh Jim J was it Jim was J E M the Jim the and the holograms Jim yeah. and the yes. holograms like that would come on and be like oh I don't want to watch that that's just girls singing and I would flip the channel <laughs> I was a boy I'm like I want to watch guys blow stuff up right <laughs> and, and then eventually on the other channels was like growing up like the news and so you'd wind up watching Jim like the last last half yeah you'd right? have to be like forced like okay I'll do this okay, until my right. parents get home and I can go outside. <laughs> well, are you old enough to remember when Sundays had nothing on, no cartoons, yeah, except uh, Davy and Goliath? It was like the only thing close to animation, so you had to watch it. I think it was made Goliath. by the Mormons. Very bizarre show. I, I think I would have just gone outside at that point. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would have watched that. Davy and Goliath was like a claymation, and it was. Oh, very, I do remember it, that. It was religious I do based. Remember that. So, I yeah. remember, I remember that. that too, because they yeah. used to show that at our Catholic school. Yeah. Oh. yeah. No, <laughs> not for me. I don't Edwin, think it was for anybody. <laughs> Maybe not. Edwin, you'll know. What was the, the Adult Swim version of Davy and Goliath? They did that show recently. And I, I was only remember the Simpsons. Thing. It was something <laughs> Davy and Joe Bryath, and he blew up Joe Bryath for not enough faith. It was very funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned recently on the podcast that uh, you were going to do another special. Um, so you yes. did the comedy unspecial. That was what, 20... 20... 
We shot in 2019, came out in 2020 during the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you want to do another one? I'm working on it. I got like 35 to 40 minutes written right now. I'm trying to flesh out like another 15 to get that, you know, get it out to almost an hour around that time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm looking, actively looking right now for a place to film it. Uh, I'm going to probably do it in Los Angeles because it might be cheaper. Nice. The last, the last one I did was in DC because I want to do it in my hometown. But like, and we raised all that money on the Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasted, I didn't waste it, but I used most of it getting my crew out there to film. Yeah. The so I would like to, since I'm probably going to end up funding this myself, because I'm not going to ask people to help me <laughs> film this one. Uh, um, so I'm going to have to probably almost self-fund this one myself. So I'm just going to have to make it as cheap as possible. And I want to put as much money on the screen as I can. So that will be probably shooting here because the, the crew is already here. I just got to find the location that I can do mm-hmm. it at and then, uh, you know, finish writing the material. Same wardrobe on it, budget. Do you? Same remember? wardrobe budget. Yes. <laughs> I will return whatever I wear. <laughs> What'd you say? You have fifteen minutes more. What's your process? How are you going to fill that? How are you going to get the thoughts and the jokes worked out? My process. It's weird. I like. I wish I was one of those guys that could just sit and write. I'm not a. I'm not that type of writer. I have to get an idea or a premise in my head, something I think is funny, and then I have to go on stage with it like several times and just like sort of flush the whole thing out. I gotta like try it this way. If it fails that way, try a different way. You know, I have to keep trying it. And then it, it eventually grows into the act. It's, I, I wish I could be the guy that just sat there and wrote set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. But I, I just, that's not the way my brain works. I have to, I have to perform it to figure it out. Um, so that's just, it, my process takes longer that way. So that's why I'm, you know, four years after the last special, I'm still only 40, 35 minutes into the new one. Cause it takes <laughs> me that long to write it, you know? So hopefully, hopefully I'll find the next 15 minutes in the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind saying, what comedy yeah. clubs do you work your stuff out at now? Um, I used to be at the improv a lot, um, but I, it's weird. The, everything's cyclical here. And you like right now I'm at Flappers a whole lot. They Flappers books me quite a bit. There's some smaller clubs in town, the Nightcap LA, which is over in Burbank too, uh, they book me quite a bit. Um, and then just any sort of bar shows you can get up at just anywhere to get in front of a microphone and say it out loud to people. Um, I don't do the improv. I don't do the laugh factory. I don't do the comedy store that much anymore because it's, like I said, it's a, it's a weird cyclical thing where in, you have to have like the people that they book have a lot of momentum going for them or whatever. And so you find out like, you find out real quick how, where you are in the hierarchy of comedians in Los Angeles and whether you get spots at those clubs or not. Um, so right now I'm not getting those spots, but hmm. you know, I used to a long time ago, but not anymore. So I'm trying <laughs> like to work, your... my, I'm trying to work my way back in, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's like your bartending career. It is like trying to get that career. plum Tuesday at <laughs> noon I, spot again. I worked my way up to not getting booked. <laughs> <laughs> When you're talking about your process, like, how do you think that being on the show um, has affected your comedy or any of the writing that you're doing for your next special? It's it's interesting. It's it's great to be able to talk every day just to get a topic because the way the, the rapport works is he he writes the whole show. He has all the subjects and topics and I just come in. I don't know what's happening. It's almost like mm-hmm. me coming into this show. I just sit down and he hits record and we go. So I don't know what's coming at me. So it's interesting that way is I get all these fresh topics that just get dumped into my head and then I, I have to immediately form opinions about them. Whether it's my true opinion or not, 
I have to give an opinion right away. So, and usually for the sake of humor, I'm given the opposite opinion, whatever Ralph has, because that's just what makes the show funny. If it's two guys agreeing all the time, it's not a funny show. So when I get thrown a topic, I just have to pick a side and then I go and then I have to defend it, whether I believe it or not. And so it's interesting for writing process because it makes you form opinions. Because this is uh, this is the thing, one of my favorite comedians that works today is Bill Burr. I think he's hysterical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the reason I think he's so funny is because he has literally an opinion about everything. There's nothing he doesn't have an opinion on. Like you, whatever you mention to him, he'll immediately have an opinion. And that's the great thing about, I think, working with Ralph and doing this show every day and getting these things thrown at me is I immediately have to form an opinion. You can't just be go, I don't know. Okay, whatever. You don't, you have to be, you're forced because you're mm -hmm. doing a show to entertain people. I have to pick an opinion. So it's making me, it's training my brain to every time I encounter a situation in life to form an opinion on it and mm. then try to expand on that uh, comedically, trying to make it funny. So it's it's helped me in that way, just sort of take a, a basic premise or basic idea, form that opinion on it, and then just expand on it to try to prove yourself right about it. It's, you know, it's interesting, but it's been helpful in that way. Yeah. And Ralph is like a master at improv. So you get yeah. to learn one of the best. Yeah, so he's, I awesome. mean, he's, he's great off the cuff and, you know, we work, we work well together. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's been, it's been amazing. So it's been a great five years. I mean, five years now, geez. Yeah. Holy really? Yeah. Was that like a conscious choice where you're like, I'm just going to come in. I'm not going to find out what Ralph's doing. And then that way he could just bounce it off me. And it's going to be, it's more improv than um, anything else. It wasn't my choice. Ralph just <laughs> invited me in and like sit down. And then I was, I was like, do you want me to prepare anything? Do you need me to, you want to send me a sheet of a rundown of the show? He's like, no, just come in. I'm like, all right. So I just, I just sat down and that's, you know, that's just what happened. He just started throwing the show at me and I was like, all right, let's go and see what happens. You know? And I always knew just from being, you know, listening to Kevin and Bean and knowing Ralph's role on that show and why people liked Ralph and sort of probably why him being by himself on that show for the first couple of months wasn't going the way he wanted to go is because people weren't getting the Ralph that they knew and loved. Right. That cantankerous, cranky old man. <laughs> so I knew coming in, I had to be the foil to that. So I had to come in and go, okay, I, I have to, no matter, because I had, I had to serve the show, not myself. So I'm just like, whatever it takes to get that out of Ralph or to give or to serve up those things. So Ralph can then do what Ralph does. That's what I had to do. So, yeah. Cause the day you came in is a day that that show totally changed. And, um, cause I listened from the beginning and it was fine. I still listened to it. I'm it was sure like 45 minutes yeah. to an hour yeah. was interviews with people and stuff. It was fine. And, uh, but no, with you coming on the show that made it a whole different show and in a way better way not to say that it was bad but it was just yeah. different and good yeah, yeah. so yeah. thank yeah. you and you know what's funny is i was uh on kind of the original group of like ralph report data log people who were trying to kind of help to log right. the older shows and so i was listening to old ralph on like 1.5 to 2 times speed and it sounded like he was just like on cocaine and ranting to himself and it was actually made it so much funnier so like the drunk eddie thought slow down and then we have cocaine ralph who's oh, just like i bet that's amazing the eagles the eagles the eagles the eagles like this is amazing it was quite the opportunity <laughs> you need to mix those get cocaine ralph and drunk eddie <laughs> I think exactly. we did that once. I think I'm we did that. Sure. I think somebody did that one time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pretty funny. It was it was gold. <laughs> I know you and Tracy went to 
grade school together, right? Your wife? Uh, high, high school. We went to high, high school, school together and college, but we didn't date in high school or college. We just, we knew we were friends, but that was it. And then what did she just happen to be out in Los Angeles? And then, um, it was, uh, I moved out here in 1997. Um, yeah. she was still back in Virginia. Um, and she wanted to like, she just wanted to, she also wanted to get out of Virginia just to like try to get her life, start her life. Cause she had graduated college, you know, and so it was, She's like, I want to move to LA and just see what's out there for me. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, you mind if I, we live together? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because, it, you know, it's expensive. You need a roommate. And I'm like, sure. And then, so she moved out here in 98. And then we moved in together. And one thing led to another. And now we're married and have a kid. The rest is history. <laughs> well, that's here awesome. As they say, so. so when did Tracy become a Dave Matthews Band fan? <laughs> I think it, it was weird because in Virginia and literally the whole like South. Oh, totally. The whole southeast in the early mid 90s like he was he he was a college band at that time and he was touring oh. all those colleges he would tour virginia tech and radford and ecu like all those colleges up and down the east coast so all like the especially like the fraternity and sorority kids were all like i wasn't yeah. one of those uh but she was she was a sorority girl and they all loved dave matthews and like he would like he would come to tech and he'd play at Virginia Tech and he would, you know, and they would all go and they're just, I don't know. They all love that music. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's good. It's um, not. It's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> awful music. Time she's got a concert to go to. I'll go with her. Oh, oh it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, uh, he doesn't even play man. that song anymore. He's so I want he's so weird. To to show up. He's so weird between songs too. He's just so awkward and trying to be funny. And you're just like, stop, just sing, just sing, stop. <laughs> I guess that's his ploy to make his music better. He's so bad between the songs. You're like, just play your music. <laughs> This is what Drew is willing to come back on camera for. I know, right? <laughs> yep. Our voiceless man would like to compliment your Star Wars background, and I assume oh, you're still in your son's room. This is my son's room. Those are all of his Legos hanging on the ceiling, and that's the Death nice. Star over there. And... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very it's cool. Interesting. Amazing. It's well, we ran out of shelf space, so we had to yeah. hang all the we had to hang all the ships. My goodness! So it's like the Battle <laughs> of Exegol up there. So, are you like a multi generational Star Wars fan, or you loved it as a kid and now you've passed it on? Yeah, I did that to my child. Yeah, I was a huge. I what mean, do you mean did that to? You mean you blessed I, him with? I did bless. <laughs> yes, I I gave him all this. Um, yeah, he's yeah he took it from me. Like I was a little worried because I didn't know if he was taking it early. As a kid, because I would show him the movies and he would be like, okay, okay, okay. But he wasn't like, he didn't like fall instantly in love with it. Like I thought he would. And then just something, I guess, in the little boy brain clicks at one, one day. And my wife had him at Costco and they were playing Star Wars on one of the big screen TVs and she was pushing him by. And he like, just, he put his hands out on the shelves and like stopped the cart and just stared at Star Wars. And she had to sit there for an hour and a half while the movie played. And I was like, all right, it worked. He's in. He's in now. And there it is. <laughs> it's awesome, though, because I know my boyfriend did not grow up on, I think he's close to your age, Eddie, and he did not grow up on Star Wars. And so there's so many things in general entertainment, TV and movies and stuff that he doesn't get the jokes because he doesn't know the yeah. Star Wars. Well, it was like, it's with my kid growing up, 14, like my whole, when he was getting older in like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. I know Ralph gives me crap all the time for showing him inappropriate stuff, 
but I'm like, I wanted him to have this foundation of uh, cultural literacy, pop cultural literacy, yeah. sort of, mm -hmm. just so he would get the references watching all, like, you can't watch an episode of Family Guy and get every single reference because it's impossible because there's a thousand in there, but I want him to get like 80% of them. So that's why I show him, I showed him like all these movies. He probably shouldn't have seen at that age, but he saw him. Now he'll watch Family Guy and he dies laughing because he gets every single cutaway and every single reference and everything will tag or throw away that references anything from the 80s or 90s. And he it, it's enhanced his enjoyment of watching so many things because he has this foundation of this pop cultural literacy that a lot of people I think his generation don't get. Yeah. Because they're so buried in YouTube channels about people talking about other things. Mm -hmm. Instead of just mm -hmm. experiencing it for yourself and forming your own opinion on it, enjoying it yourself, because people are so busy now watching their favorite YouTuber give their opinion on something instead of yep. just watching it and making their own opinion. So mm -hmm. that's why I tried to instill in him is like, no, we need to watch these quote unquote classics so he can have that instead of otherwise you he becomes like all these other kids that are in school that I've noticed they just they're buried in YouTube and then they just regurgitate whatever the YouTuber said. Now, am I to understand that your son is a multi-award winning something? Is he, a director? He, he won. Uh, every, uh, he's in the media arts and technology program at his middle school. And uh, every year they have a film. They started doing a film festival. And this year was their first year they gave out awards for their film festival. And he created a stop motion film called South Dakota Jones and the Lost Temple of RR. And uh, he won best film in his middle school with it. It's a six minute stop motion Lego animated video. And it's it's amazing and funny. And there's a lot of jokes in there that I, again, come from having that foundation of pop cultural literacy that I think a lot of kids his age don't inherently have because they don't watch TV the way we did. So he's got a lot of jokes in there. You watch it. I think adults find it just as funny as kids do because of that. Can we see that anywhere? Um, yeah, uh, it's on his uh, YouTube. It's on his YouTube page. I think I posted it. He posted on his Instagram page, Colton at Colton F Pence. If anyone wants to go to Instagram and watch it, um, C O L T O N F P E N C E. Uh, he's got a couple animated Lego animated things on there. Um, if you subscribe to the Ralph Report, I think Ralph posted it on the on the group chat. Uh, you know, about a month or two back, he put the whole video up there too. So. So do yeah. you reckon you will be able to edit his own Wikipedia page? When <laughs> I might have to, yeah. I, I think I can do I could start up his own Wikipedia page. I think that's how it works, right? You start someone <laughs> else's. Know. You can't do your own. It's weird. Oh, I wanted to know, what was the? What are some of the inappropriate movies you showed your, showed your son? Oh, my God. Uh, well, he saw Will that... this get you in trouble with your wife? No, no she okay. she's... We're, we're of the, sort of the same mindset with this. It's like we want him... I'd rather him experience these things with us and ask the questions than other kids his age and not know who to talk to. So we were like that with, you know, whether it be sex talks or anything like that. It's like, I'd rather you come to us and talk to us about it than us make it taboo. And then you go find somebody else to talk to. So we've always been very open with him about mm -hmm. stuff like that. So she's been on board too. Like we watched, like he's watched, like he watched vacation at an early age, Chevy Chase's vacation. Uh, I showed him Deadpool one and two at a very early age uh, <laughs> when they came out um, with some, some of the other uh, stripes, uh, you know, Ghostbusters, which isn't really that racy. Um, Caddyshack. Uh, I mean, just all the, like all the classics we grew up in, in, in the eighties as, you know, kids watching those movies. And 
I haven't shown him Porky's yet. I don't know if that really would. I don't think that translates. Yeah, that's not say. funny, and yeah. it doesn't translate. Yeah, it doesn't translate as well today. I try oh, to pick the good. ones that I think are still funny today. You know. Oh, I was thinking like he showed him Friday the Thirteenth and stuff. No, I mean because I was never a big slasher movie fan. I never oh, okay. really dug the horror movies, so I never got into that. Um, so he's never really had much exposure to it just because I never really enjoyed. I always watched comedies. I was always a comedy fan, so. I was going to say, Christopher has kind of (laughs) given us this impression of his childhood that at like four and five, he was watching The Shining and like these like terrifying movies. Well, I remember um, 77 when uh, Star Wars came out. I saw it in the theater. I might have saw like a really late showing because we didn't go to the movies a lot. And then I did see Scarface in 1980 in the theater. Uh, The Shining as well. Um, and then a whole bunch of scary movies. Yeah, I saw, I, like we would do that too because I would when we got we got like a VCR in like 1982 or 83, mm-hmm. and we would go and rent movies at Errol's Video. That was a video store back then, <laughs> and uh, we would my the thing was I would get we my brother and I would get a movie like Pee Wee's Big Adventure or something, and then my dad would get a movie which was like Sharky's Machine or something like that, and so. We only had the two movies, so we would literally watch our movie, and then my dad would watch his movie, and we either had to go to bed or we watched that movie. So I saw like a lot of those. I saw like The Shining. I saw Friday the 13th. I saw those movies because it was it was either that or go to bed. And so yeah. whatever my dad would rent is what we would see. And so yeah, I saw Scarface at an early age too, and it's stuff I didn't like. I didn't really. I mean, Scarface is a great movie, but like slasher films, I never got into. So, but. Can you explain to our listeners what a VCR is? <laughs> so they have a foundation and they, they remember what cassette tapes are. That's the question. Because you just have to go back from cassette tape. Exactly. I do think, though, that even like an inappropriate comedy like Stripes or something for a kid, the stuff that's kind of a little bit racy, I think it's going to go over their heads and they're not even going to think about it. Most of and it And they'll does. just hit the jokes that they like. Yeah, most of it does. The problem with my son is he he asks questions about everything because he likes to learn. So he's just literally, anytime he doesn't get something, he doesn't just go, okay, I didn't get that and move on. He's like, he wants to know why he didn't get it. So I have to explain to him what a, you know, what's blowjob? Why were they drilling okay, a hole that's, in the cool showers? Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's not really a job. You don't really get a job. It's, 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 so yeah, I had to explain these things to him at an early age because I didn't want him to go, I didn't want to tell him a lie about it. And then he finds out later from some other kid what it really is. And then he can't trust me to give him the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that that does him a does all of us a disservice later on in life as a relationship forges goes forward. So honesty to a kid to me is the best way to go. Yeah. Because we as adults mm-hmm. can explain it to them better than kids their own age do. So we should all be grown up enough to be able to talk about these things to our kid in a way that they can digest it and we can feel like we've given them an educational talk about it. You ever done a bit like that about things your kid asks you and you explain to them? Uh, There's your next 15 minutes. There you go. Uh, my, <laughs> la- my, my closer, my last special was a time he asked me what his butthole looked like. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't explain it to him. And then he, he actually t- asked me to take a picture of his butthole and show it oh to him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I do, I have like a whole like five minute bit about that situation. Um, of course, I didn't take a picture of his butthole. That's where that's that's where it stopped. I'm Good glad you drew the line. But comedy is about truth and then heightening. So the truth is, he asked me to take a picture of his butthole, and I said no. The heightened comedy version is, I said yes, and then there's three minutes of what 
mm-hmm. transpired after that fictional situation occurred. And then Chris Hansen called. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. So, yeah, there is, like I said, comedy, uh, there's always truth in comedy, but the best comedy is based in truth. And then you heighten it and make Mm -hmm. it something that's something above that. And that's what I did with that. (laughs) So, yes, there are situations where he asked me things and I have to talk to him. So then with your upbringing, him and having him watch all these movies from the 80s and 90s and stuff. um and I'm sure he has a very similar taste in films as you do. Um, but is it different than his friends or his friends into different things or? He like, it's weird from what I've observed from kids, his age, they're a lot into video games. Like it's a lot of just gaming and then watching other people game on YouTube. I don't see oh. whether they're, they're not, none of them are watching. He's got some friends that are star Wars fans and some friends that are Marvel fans and they'll see those movies and talk about them. But they don't see like they don't talk about TV shows. They don't talk about other movies. If it's not those two major properties, they're they're talking about video games or YouTubers. Like it's weird. The, like you know, like I know as adults now with all the streaming services, everything's sort of a la carte. And we've all there's no national discussion with the TV show anymore. It's not like oh mm-hmm. my god, did you watch Mash yeah. last night? We all did. It's yeah. everybody has their own thing. So it's like that with kids now too, but with YouTubers and so there's no like there's no. I don't know. There's no group discussion about like they don't all go home and watch, you know, Thundercats and then talk right. about it. Mm-hmm. They don't have that anymore. It's right. It's it's all their YouTubers and YouTubers' opinions <laughs> on things, and that's so that's always bothered me. So I know he does do that a lot. He does watch those guys, and he in order to relate to his friends. But when I'm with him, I try to show him those other things, and he does have a good foundation in that other stuff. So when he is around, like adults he has full-on conversations about movies and everything with adults because he's he's educated in that way but he also does spend time with his friends and can talk about the youtube stuff so it's just different it's it's different it's a different childhood than what we had it's very different so okay so we won't have this posted for at least a few weeks how was the um chaperoning Oh my God! It was a, just it was a, a hellscape worthy of Mordor. It was <laughs> there was like there was three hundred kids from our school alone, and about fifteen adult chaperones. And I guess there was probably I'm guessing there was probably another twenty to thirty other schools at Universal Studio with the same Damn. amount of kids per school. It was so many. It was the mo- imagine the most packed you've ever seen Universal Studios, and then times that by three. Ugh. That's what it was. And, and it's all kids. And it's all middle school. I think there was some high schools there, but I think it was mostly middle schoolers. And we show up at the school, and there's 300 kids standing around, and there's 15 of us adults, and there's one lady who took charge, and she had a bullhorn, and she's just like, get pair up into 15 kids like get find the 15 kids you want to hang out with all night so they all sort of grouped up into 15 or 18 groups uh, 15 18 kids per group and then we just picked a group and we got their names and we started a text chain with all their cell phone numbers and then we got them all that was the easy part was getting them from the school onto the bus and then we got them from the bus we walked them down city walk which is like the walk it was just oh it's awful it was it was like the passion of the christ walking down city walk <laughs> with all these kids it was so it was just just being and then so we get there we get to universal right and we get them all in and then that's as soon as they get in and then i get to crusty burger where the chaperone lounge is and we can just kind of just relax and be away from kids that's your phone starts blowing up from all the kids that have your number 
And one kid's like, I'm stuck at the gate. Can you come get me? And then like, I'll go get that kid back into the gate. And then I would get back to Crestburg, get another phone number. And then like, I'm, uh, my friend's autistic and they need to get one of the disability passes. Can you, and they need our chaperone. So I had to run back. So I'm just running back and forth all night, trying to like get everybody in. And, and so like around, we get everybody at five 30, around six 30, everybody's in, everybody's happy. And then we have to meet at 10 30 to organize, to get everybody out. And then like trying to get everybody like, you're texting them at like 9.45. Okay, you got till 10.30. 10 o'clock, you got half an hour. 10.15, you got 15 minutes. Be at this location. You text a picture of that location where you want them to go. <laughs> 10 30, 10.30 happens. And we're, I'm standing there and there's like no one. No one's around me. None of the kids <laughs> are there at the place I told them. And then they start showing up. And the bus drivers are angry people to begin with because they do what that they do that for a living. And so he's like, I'm leaving at 11 o'clock sharp. I don't, if we have no kids, I'm leaving at 11 o'clock. I'm like, oh, so this, we have half an hour to get everybody at Universal down City Walk into the bus. And oh, so man. it's like 1045 and I have like four of my 18 kids. <laughs> and I'm just like trying, I'm like calling them all, get here, get in. We get them all. I finally get all 18. We're walking towards the front gate. I turn around, there's 15. I'm like, where's the other three? And like, oh, they went to Starbucks. I'm like, ah, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting like, are right, you 15? <laughs> Keep walking this direction. Do not split up, hold hands. I run back to Starbucks, yank them out of the line, finally get everybody up there out of the gate. And then like two of them are like, my dad's here. He said he could pick us up. I'm like, I have to get you on the bus because I'm responsible for you. I have you on this list. I need to check you off once you get off the bus. It's a freaking nightmare, man. We didn't get home to like mid 1230. It's a freaking oh, nightmare. Wow. That's <laughs> a nightmare. That's a horror movie right there. It was awful. It's exhausting. It's like constantly, it's like being stressed for like five straight hours. The most stressed you can possibly be <laughs> for five straight hours. Were there any kids that got in like really big trouble? We got one text on the way home on the bus that one kid, he wasn't in my group, it was somebody else's group that was at the security office because he broke one of the rides. That's it? So he I guess the ride. I, he did something to a ride where he messed up the ride. So he was in the security <laughs> office. So the, the head chaperone was she didn't make it back with us. She was at the security office with him at Universal. And that was like And someone Google Universal Studio broke ride kid. See what ride broke. <laughs> I know oh what happened. Yeah. Christopher is uh, wanting like a knife fight to break out or something like well, that. Well, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I went to a Catholic school and we had to sell world's finest chocolates. And if we sold enough of them, we'd get to go to Disneyland. Oh. And so every year that's the only way i would get to ever go to disneyland right so i would hustle and sell the four boxes and then the other kids that were there and it'd be like a whole kind of the same thing but you'd get kids mixed with you know regular patrons of disneyland right 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 and every year some some kid would get in trouble for shoplifting for fighting <laughs> for getting off a ride when it wasn't supposed to be there and as you get older you know for meeting a girl on a ride and yeah. you know yeah I'm so, sure I mean, other schools probably had that. Issue. I mean, I know with our group of 300, we just had the one kid that was <laughs> stuck at the security office. So I'm sure other, I'm sure other stuff went down there. I'm sure. <laughs> I was, I was like, okay, I had all my 18. I knew none of them were. I, I knew I had my 18 when we finally got out of the park. I'm like, all right, I'm fine. I got my 18 on the bus. But, <laughs> nightmare, nightmare. I'm getting stressed just hearing about Dude, this. Dude, my anxiety <laughs> levels are up right now. Talking about it. This is like this is just my day when I take out my whole family because I oh. got five kids. So oh my god! When you when you think about getting oh. when you say you went from uh, from Universal through CityWalk to the bus in yeah. a half an hour, I'm like you, you, I don't know how you did that. 
I can't even get them out the door in a half an hour. Dude, like I, there was like there was like a group of like seven that were excited to go and they were like walking fast down City Walk. The other like eight or nine or ten were just like the slowest, just like it was like trying to friggin' herd cattle because they were just slow and just wandering all it was a nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> Absolute nightmare. See yeah, see what you have to look forward to, Christopher, when your kids get older. <laughs> oh, it's 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 already now. I just we went to we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's oh that's stressful. Just getting oh. them to hurting them out the door. No, I got the one, and I'm fine with the one. One and done for me. I'm oh. just thinking of the new sequel, Home Alone Four, you know, Universal Studios. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so there won't be a reprisal for the for the grad night, which is like I, the all night version of this. No, I don't. Uh, not for me anyway. I think I'm done. <laughs> With my chaperoning duties that was excellent <laughs> what shows and things do you have right now that are coming up that you can promote um well like i said i'm looking for a place to do my comedy special so i'm hopefully i'll announce that i'm open by the end of the summer so anyone in the la that are listeners to the ralph report or in, in the garmy or idiots or old kevin and bean listeners i will probably need your support to come out and fill that room uh, to yeah. record that special so i will post that when that time is appropriate um i'll just check my keep keep up to date on my social media i'll try to mention my stuff on the ralph report as much as i can and you can see yeah. me around town well and we what? need to get your calendar figured out on your website i know i know i'm so bad <laughs> <on my> website. <laughs> your your Socials? ads on social media uh i'm at eddie pence on all my social handles e-d-d-i-e-p-e-n-c-e -E -E, uh except tiktok where i'm eddie uh underscore pence Nice. TikTok, my goodness! I do the. It's the same. Whatever I post on Instagram, I just copy and paste it over to TikTok. It's the same stuff. Yeah, but very you know, smart. So, same <laughs> stuff, but or you just go to EddiePence.com, and I think that has all my social media hand, social yes. media handles in there. Yes, and thank you, Jen, for helping me put up EddiePence.com. <laughs> that wouldn't exist uh, without you. That's not true. You had you'd already built the original. Well, I, I just did. Kind of it really I crappy. The better version is because of you. So. so Jen probably can't edit your Wikipedia page either. No, nobody can. Maybe one of us can. We're not related to you. Well, go for it. We'll you might not like it. We'll do it. Embellish it, please. Okay. One last audio clip before we go. Hold on. If anyone can identify this HBO drama. Re-edit my Wikipedia page. That's it. <laughs> that voice sounds very familiar. I don't, what is that? Thanks on the City? It's from the newsroom. They have two segments about exactly what you're talking about. Characters on the show can't edit their own Wikipedia pages. Yeah. And sometimes it's, annoying. it's reporting the wrong information. So oh. I love it. Before you go, I've got a catalytic converter story. Oh, you. no. Oh, no. We have a duplex. So we ran out the back. Yeah. Our renter had their catalytic converter stolen oh. right in front of my house. Of course. So then nobody has them, like you said. He yeah. drove to Nevada. Some guy said he had it. He got there. Oh, we don't have it. <laughs> Are you serious? And he drove back. Yeah. He finally got it after like three months. It's, it takes it's about, insane. It takes about two to three months to get one. It's insane. Like I said, you get caught stealing it. You deserve death. So <laughs> I stand by. It's a that. good way to go out. <laughs> I deserve. I stand by that. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. I was a uh, fun, fun walk down uh, memory lane of the old Kevin Bean show. I did not know about that. <laughs> Appreciate that was hilarious. It. Well, you were right. a really good sport. So, oh. thank you guys. Right. Bye, thank you. Goodbye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.
拜。